Welcome to the Bike Portland podcast. I'm your host, Jonathan Moss. This is episode four of the In the Shed with Eva and Jonathan series, where I sit down with Clever Cycles co-owner and Bike Loud PDX board member, Eva Frazier, and we just have a chat right here in the shed. I'm glad so many of you are enjoying these conversations. These are unscripted conversations. I really never know where we're gonna go, what direction the chats will take us. I do sometimes have like a list of things I might wanna ask Eva about and or talk about, but I really just kind of let the recorder go and see what happens. This week, as per usual, the range of subjects is really wide. Talk about everything from bike happy hour to the lawsuit between Bike Loud PDX and the city of Portland to the recent uh, World Day of Remembrance for Road Traffic Victims event to I ask uh, whether or not Eva thinks Vision Zero is failing and what she thinks about that whole narrative in general. And I definitely have some thoughts to share about that as well. Uh, we talk about the, the Trailblazers' new G League basketball team called the Rip City Remix and how I want to do a remix ride. And Oh, and by the way, right at the start, you'll hear us reference the, all the video cameras I had set up. I am trying to figure out how to make video of these conversations so that we can have that just to play with as content. But in case you're wondering, no, it did not work out. So you will not be seeing us uh, in the flesh in person in this episode. But who knows? Maybe next week. I know it's a holiday weekend and I'm releasing this on the Friday after Thanksgiving, but I had this recorded Wednesday before Thanksgiving and I feel like it's better to get it out over the holiday weekend than wait before the hustle and bustle of the work week begins again on Monday. So welcome into the shed and I hope you enjoy our conversation. We are rolling. Rolling. Episode four. Eva, do you notice anything different about the shed today? Well, I have three cameras trained on me. <laughs> uh, we do have video capabilities this episode. That one I think is good, and that one should be good. Okay, um, if I'm out of breath, that's because I've been running around the tiny little shed here trying to make all these video cameras work so that we could bring you, dear shed <laughs> listeners, video of us. So hopefully it works. Shoot, you know what? I was looking at my notes here, and I forgot to get a quiz prepared. I wonder if I could think of one just off the top of my head. Is this another one question quiz? Um, let's see. We've had it. We did a political quiz last week. What district are we in? Well, we're in District 2. Yes. North and Northeast. And District 1 is East. Yeah. Okay. I think I know the districts. District. We're in District 2, North and Northeast. District mm-hmm. 1 is East. District 3 is Southeast. District 4 is the West and downtown. Fantastic. See, we're getting better. Imagine by episode 10, we're going to actually What if you had to memorize 100 districts? If you had to memorize 100 districts? Yeah. I was an art history major in college, so I'm really good at like looking at something and remembering just like a visual thing. (laughs) That's basically how I survived is like, you could just show me a picture of something and I would know, you know, who who painted it or whatever. Did you focus on a certain era? Uh, I did a lot of like pre-Columbian Latin American stuff. Okay. What's your favorite museum for pre-Columbian art? Um... Probably a museum I've never been to in Mexico City. <laughs> it's on my it's list. It's time to go. I know. It's on, it's on my list With for sure. With the like really big... Yeah, the, it, the Olmec it, heads. Yeah. But to get back to the political quiz and the districts, I do know District 2 now for sure because I met with somebody right here in this shed just yesterday who is thinking of running for District 2. So they're just thinking of running, but we had a good conversation. And isn't it nice that people who are thinking of running for office want to stop by the shed? That's just great. to have a chat. Do they live in the neighborhood? Yeah. Yeah. And the cool. person actually asked me 
what I want in representation in my district. And I was like, I've never been asked that before. Like, what do I want from someone on city council? And I felt bad that I didn't really have like a really clear answer. Like personally, I was like disappointed in myself. But then I thought, I, we've never had to think of that before because no one really represented me on council, yeah. right? In terms of my neighborhood and stuff. So. Quiz time. Uh, I mean, I could just think of something off the top. Um, I don't have, I don't, I haven't thought of any quiz. What are we going to do for a quiz? Um, let's see. You can quiz me on tire sizes. I could say. I know all of them. <laughs> What's the most popular tire size of bikes sold at Clever? Probably a 20 by 2.15. 20 by, really? 20 by yeah. 2.15? Well, well, guys, turns. That's, I, mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but that is super interesting. Or 700 by 35. But I don't think that's so much true for bikes sold, but for bikes repaired. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder, because you can actually, now that I think about that, you can kind of like understand and define shops by oh, their you most know what? popular I take that size. back. 16 by inch and three eighths. No way. Because that's Brompton. Ooh. 349. Did you just change that because you want to get a Brompton no. mention in here? <laughs> I get paid <laughs> yeah. every time I say Brompton. Yeah, he's like, if he has a quiz, try to work in Brompton. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I do the ordering and I order a lot of Brompton tires. 16 inch. Yeah. Brompton. Okay. Well, I don't know. I'm I'm on a 20 inch turn a lot. I've mm-hmm. been mo- I've been uh, moving into my bike more recently. I keep making. I got this bike from Turn just as a sample. My HSD, which is awesome. It's become my main bike, Portland rig. Um, and I just keep like I'm spending all this money like accessorizing it. <laughs> like I can't res- like Turn does a good job of like, making yeah. accessories. Um, and so I just keep changing like the cargo. Like I'm imagining if I was like a car like, if I was like a car guy, like a person who's into their car, like how much money would I be spending on my automobile if I had the similar proclivities toward right. always tweaking it and stuff? A lot, a lot more than you're spending on your bicycle. A lot. Like yeah. I bought these really nice panniers the other day to like switch out my rear rack on that thing. And anyway, they have, they, they make nice stuff. So I'm like, I'm like willing to, I'm willing to pay for it. It's yeah. great. Their accessories are really, really like well designed. Yeah. Well designed, well designed for sure. But I keep moving in and it's like the, the search for the ultimate bike Portland bike continues. It's been a like a, a side hobby for years what, now. Like if Turn could make an accessory that they don't, what would it be? If there was a way I could more easily stand on the bike, that would actually be really cool. I used to do that with my Ahern in, in years past because it had yeah. like a nice dually kickstand and oh, I was yeah. younger <laughs> and more daring. So I would act, and it has a huge rear rack with, thanks Joseph, awesome rear rack that was like integrated so it can take a lot of weight and I would stand on the rear rack with the dually thing and I'd get like nice perspective shots. Yeah. And I can't, I wouldn't do that now because I'm just too afraid of falling over. Um, but that would be neat if like they had like a little, a ladder attachment. Okay. There you go. <laughs> like a little ladder or step stool right. so I could jump up on a step stool and, and get some pictures. My latest challenge was, was, um, was moving my A, my A frame sign. I saw that sign up there and I wondered, down you're to, tall, but you're not. Yeah. That well, tall. getting, getting that big plastic A, A board sign down to happy hour each week is my new little fun thing. And I tried to figure out a way to put it on the turn, but I just kind of gave up. Because it's really awkward, and so I, I'm just using. Have a you trailer. asked if you could store it there? I'm gonna use a trailer now. I haven't asked. It crossed my mind, but I feel like we've asked so much of the bike happy oh, yeah. hour folks that I, I try to not make many requests. Because but think I'm, of all the business we're bringing in. It's this is a conundrum. Yeah, Eva, I keep thinking yeah. about this. You know, it's like last week we were out standing out bike happy hour for folks that 
don't know, every Wednesday, 3 to 6, on Southeast Ankeny between 27th and 28th. We just show up and hang out. Everybody's welcome to come. It's a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, so last week we're standing out there as it gets colder and colder and darker. And I was, I just kept thinking like, I bet there's some really nice tents I could find, you know, to, yeah. someone would make a really nice tent that would just like, we could all be under the tent and we could have a little heater or some kind of like, I don't know, propane fire thing or something. And I'm like, oh shoot, got to ask, got to ask the owners if they're willing to, Oh yeah, there's crowdfunding. We could maybe raise money for it somehow. Uh, or maybe someone wants to sponsor by Capiar and keep us warm. I don't know. They gave us, uh, they installed misters on for, the patio. For the summertime. Yeah. Remember how hot it was on the patio? It was very hot. Yeah. No, it's really fun. I can't get there until like 530, but. That's usually when it gets going anyway. Good. Oh, great. The early that's hours. I show up. Yeah, that's right. You bring the party, Eva. <laughs> on that note, I heard you went down to the Multnomah County Courthouse <laughs> I think it was last Friday. Last Friday, you went yeah. down to the Multnomah County Courthouse. Would you mind sharing why you were there? Yeah, so Bike Loud is bringing, has brought suit against the city of Portland for not um, holding to their law of building new bike infrastructure and pedestrian infrastructure every time they repave or have a paving project in the city of Portland. So it got thrown out. And reworked, and now mm. we have 15 plaintiffs who have actual, like, hardship that they've suffered because of the lack of building of bike and pedestrian infrastructure. Um, so this was a hearing in front of the judge to decide whether the uh, the suit can continue. The judge basically said, I haven't read through this thoroughly enough, mm. and I need some time to really, like, come to a conclusion. Um, but we heard arguments from, from Bike Loud's lawyers and from the city of Portland. Interesting. Basically just referring to court cases that would have bearing. Hey, you're not, are you one of the plaintiffs? No. No, but you're, uh, you, you're, you're on the board of Bike Loud. Yeah, I'm on the board of Bike right. Loud and so. I'm an interested party. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you mention the, um, the lawsuit, and this, I'll, there's a, I'll put a link in the show notes. We've reported about this a little bit on Bike Portland, but we haven't updated folks for a while in terms of what's going on with the case. But it's hinging on like the bike bill, right? Which like a state law where you have to I think it's kind of like every we've there's always been talk that that uh, the city or the state, whoever's not following the bike bill, and in other words, not spending enough as as the bike bill states, a minimum of one percent on bike and pet infrastructure when you do certain types of road projects, basically major projects. If you rebuild a road or reconstruct or repave, mm -hmm. you have to put in a minimum 1% equivalent uh, in, in bike, bike and pet infrastructure investment. So Bicloud stepped up and said, okay, we're going to call PBOT and go through the records and see if they're spending that money. And Bicloud's contention is that they're not. Yeah. So the argument's kind of legalese, arcane, technical thing about whether or not, basically whether or not Bicloud and the plaintiffs have the right or what they call in legal terms, like if they have standing standing. So it's basically the, ju the judge has to decide if it can even go forward because like basically saying, yeah, if the plaintiffs even have the right to bring the case essentially. So the city's arguing against that. The city's trying to get it dismissed like summarily. And so they don't have to go to the next step, which would mean like, let's produce all these documents and try to prove that we are meeting it, which even if bike lab didn't end up winning the case, I think that'd be fascinating to even go get to see all this stuff through discovery. But do you recall like what the the city attorneys are saying about it? I mean, I'm really not 
qualified to digest these court cases that they referred to. And yeah. my government teacher in high school is just going to be like, come on. But these are all Oregon cases that they, they referred to that. Yeah. It's about like specific <laughs> injuries and whether or not the plaintiffs can. Yeah. seems like there should be like a media outlet that is like specifically dedicated to bicycling in Portland that would be able to like shed like specific light on exactly is going on with this case, don't you think? Am I sitting in the shed that belongs to this media I, outlet? I don't know. There's a lot of books around <laughs> us and stuff that looks official, including all my notebooks, which we'll talk about someday. Yeah, I maybe. like those. The um, little dates on the ends. Yeah. Okay. So that was that was Friday. Y'all went down to the courthouse. Good yeah. show of force. I love someone took a picture of the bike loud name like on the docket outside the court oh, yeah. hearing room. Yeah. And I was like, that's so fun. Um, so, okay, good thoughts, interesting case. Thanks for Bicloud for bringing that forward and the the legal team that has been assembled to push that through. I don't want to name anyone because then I might leave somebody out, but um, good good stuff there. I went to this uh, World Day of Remembrance for Road Traffic Victims event on Sunday. That was interesting. Yeah. Um, have, you go, have you ever gone to an event like that, like a memorial type of thing? I heard about it before it happened. I was at work that day, so I couldn't go. But that they assembled sleeping bags for all of the people who have been killed in yeah. traffic violence this year. Yeah, sleeping bags to kind of look like body bags. It was kind of this really like sort of shocking when you first look at it. In the past, they've done like empty pairs of shoes. Um, it's a similar vein to like a ghost bike, right, where you want to put a some type of artifact out there on the street to like shock people into recognizing the loss from traffic crashes. Um, what do you think in general about that kind of demonstration? Yeah, I mean, I think it takes all sorts of messaging mm. to get there. To be honest, I don't know why we don't have like a public service campaign. I mean, there's the thing that says slow the flock down. I think that's great, but think about all of those ads that were like, this is your brain on drugs. Yeah. Or oh, the crash test dummies. Yeah. You know, these things back when TV was like our main media source. Yeah. That's almost a vote for like, you know, the old days of media where, you know, here we are. We we want some propaganda for our stuff like, you know, traffic deaths. It'd be great if you could just do some big media buy and get a bunch of Americans to take notice. But like that's kind of impossible in today's media environment to make that kind of penetration yeah. of like, it's this is like, your brain on drugs. Like well, that'll never happen again because that... Yeah. You just can't reach people. People get their news from all sorts of places right. that you buy billboards or something. Yeah. All over. I mean, literally, like how many American, like, you know, younger Americans, like under 30, I think the I thought like 27% in a recent poll I saw are getting their news from TikTok. So even if you could do an ad buy on TikTok, you're literally working with the Chinese government to do like a PSA. You about, just need to infiltrate just, TikTok. Yeah, there you go. Get, get so any influencers out there, go, you know, take a second out of your uh sharing yeah. which where Jenna you bikes. bike yeah so jenna do us oh, i'm not going to tell <laughs> jenna what to do <laughs> but you do it let's get some serious messaging out there I, i've been of like i've been of two minds about those kind of uh events you know the moralizing and stuff like the ride of silence you remember that there used to be this thing called the ride of silence it hasn't happened in portland for a few years similar idea it was like this silent mm-hmm ride which if you have a bunch of people on bikes that aren't making any noise and are like looking solemn in their countenance it's pretty striking i remember being on it a few times and like people are kind of shocked they're like why what are you yeah, doing what's like, going it doesn't on? compute yeah 
So it is, it, you know, it, it does make a, a mark in terms of like visual and like the media loves it. But I always thought like, I personally wasn't that into it because I feel like it's pretty self selfish and self-orienting in terms of like us as bike advocates. Yes, the media likes it. You can get attention for it. But does that in itself mean that it's a good thing? Because what ends up happening is like these stories in the media are so sappy and sad. And it's like highlighting tragedy, which is literally the number one reason why a mom like wasn't, doesn't let her teenage kid bike to school, right? They're afraid of this stuff. So why would advocates be proactively right. putting this out there? And that was always, it's kind of a weird line. It's a balance to me of like, yeah, we want people to understand this is a crisis, but shoot, if everybody's already scared, why are we going to put like 60 body bags on the news? Right. Reinforcing that fear. I don't know. It's a thing. But like you said, it takes all it takes all messages, you know, and so hopefully we have like also have uplifting messages. Yeah. As well. What do you think we do uh, as you sit in front of all the Pedalpalooza posters behind you? Bike bikes are fun. Yeah. Bikes are fun. Don't forget. Um, how do we transition away from? <laughs> well, I mean, on, on that note of that of that event, the, the World Day of Remembrance, um, Vision Zero is kind of like falling out of favor, right? It's the thing I've been noticing. Do you, what do, you th- do you think it's like a good organizing principle? Like when you hear it, does it mean anything to you? Well, somebody phrased it like vision zero is always failing, and so they need a different approach. Mm-hmm. So like a path towards no deaths, but not necessarily like starting at this goal, This this very like reachy goal Mm. but i don't know uh it feels like it's going out of favor just because it seems like there is no way to get there at this current point but continuous improvement Mm. over time we're just gonna we're just gonna keep returning to that yeah it's so hard for me to like hear that because i feel like it's it's such an acknowledgement of like failure you know Mm -hmm. which is like really hard in like covering this stuff and realizing that like yeah maybe all of our excitement around vision zero is like it's time to really shift because like i was personally like pretty invested in that concept because like i remember trying to you know just from like a journalism perspective like trying to get people to let's commit to vision zero right like that was the whole thing like let's do a story that this city's doing vision zero and like why aren't we doing vision zero it's like as if you're if you're a homeless advocate you'd be like let's declare an emergency on homelessness or let's have a plan right similar similar vibe um and so then they declare vision zero this whole thing vision zero is on everybody's mind and it's funny that you say that thing of like maybe we should declare like become on a path to because i remember when vision zero was much stronger as like an organizing principle within transportation reform folks the the state DOTs and like the federal DOT who are usually much more conservative, they were almost like instantly uh, concerned about making that kind of commitment. And I remember, I don't know, if, I don't think I like really ribbed them about that or like, you know, poked them on that. But I remember thinking it was a little bit of a cop out. They had this road to zero and I'm like, just say vision zero, but they wanted road to zero, which I guess in hindsight they're kind of probably looking at the cities that were so excited for Vision Zero and going kind of like, we told you so, because you're right. Just the fact that I asked you that question and you said the word failing so quickly, that's what everybody is saying about Vision Zero. And it's like, we can't really ignore that, right? Even though my first reaction is to defend it, 
you know? I even did a video last week that I was going to put online, like basically defending Vision Zero and like my annoyance with people saying it's failing. Yeah. (laughs) But I decided not to publish it because I'm like, ah, sometimes I'm guilty of defending things just out of like personal. You can defend it. Well, I was was trying to make a nuanced point, which I I know from experience online often doesn't work. Right. People are, everything's black and white. You'll just attack your whatever. Um, so I'm trying, I have this like promise to myself to not try to do nuanced takes online cause they just never really work. But I think people like love to say vision zero is failing. And I think it comes from a sense of like a real lack of like, and this is another point that could backfire a lack of like self-reflection and like personal responsibility. I think the most vociferous vision zero are failing people. At least the ones I see online are the people who really don't care about traffic safety and they just want to like point out that this thing that all you all wanted is not working because they don't like the change that comes with it. Right. And it's like, I just think it's unfair that you would sort of like blame a city for a concept when people are dying because of like, in a lot of ways, like people's decisions to do really reckless things. Yeah. Well, so our city adopted vision zero. Do they have like a plan that sits under that, that says, here are the things that we're going to do to, yes. Yeah. They do have They this. do have a, a plan. Uh, but it's like a lot of other issues, especially in progressive cities, where these progressive ideas and concepts like harm reduction for drug users or uh, compassion for homeless people and or, you know, Vision Zero. Those ideas, which I believe wholeheartedly are the right things to do and work for, they're not the plans to get there are number one, really complicated. Um, but we're seeing governments ill-equipped or not competent enough to actually see them through. So the takeaway in the public, the narrative becomes those ideas themselves are failures, right? We're seeing that with like repeal measure 110, right? right? And I'm, and it's really frustrating to me as I see this happen over issue and issue after issue after issue, I think the concepts and ideas behind those things are really the right ones. And the reason we're not doing them is because of, you know, incompetent government or government that's yeah. not working as well as it this should. This is like part of cancel culture. And they're just really hard. Yeah. Instead of trying it, to fix the problem. Right. Or saying like, what like can f- I do? Throw yeah. it away. And, and I just, I'm not the kind of person that's critical of government like that just for criticism's sake. Mm-hmm. Like I try to save my criticism for very important moments where it's going to be effective. And yeah, a lot of that Vision Zero failing hate narrative is just like, if you, the people that are making that thing are like, they're just hating everything yeah. the government does. Well, like, so I think so. about, you think about cars and how much car manufacturers have done to improve safety for the people riding within the car mm-hmm. over time. So we started with seatbelts and then we got airbags and then we got like airbags everywhere and crumple zones and all of this stuff. Like, why can't that just happen in the in the built environment like slowly over time you have this vision Mm. for a future yeah which i mean that's yeah that's kind of the irony of this whole conversation is that it is happening yes over time but then i get to my argument around incrementalism is failure when it comes to saving traffic saving lives and traffic right and especially a place like portland who's the culture here i think is way too tilted toward incremental improvement over time because we made big improvements that we have like this legacy of, like fighting the freeways, right? right? Putting in light rail before anybody else, doing bike lanes before anybody else, these like landmark achievements. 
that created this like real legacy where we could just sit sit on our butts and be happy with that. And now it makes even it makes incrementalism that much more seductive. So yeah, the city does have a plan, but it's not being enacted fast enough. The city would say they don't have enough money to do it, right? Right. Which I would argue that blah blah blah. We'll go go back and forth. Is do you need money or do you need government willing to do interesting things like, you know, put a bunch of concrete out to protect vulnerable people, which I think you could do this morning, tomorrow, this afternoon. Yeah. Relatively cheaply. But moving on, what what's happened, what's fascinating about the Vision Zero thing is it's like it's definitely being left, you know, behind. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if like that Vision Zero conference I went to last month or whatever, like changes their name. It's like gotten to be that. It's kind of fascinating to see yeah. it. It came up and it was a hot thing. And now right. it's kind of like not. Time to rebrand. Yeah. And everybody's talking about like it wasn't said at all at that World Day of Remembrance. And I even asked if people listened to the po- the episode right before this, then the podcast, there's a there's an interview in there with Sarah Ayanna Rohn from the Street Trust. And we talk a lot about this. She has some interesting thoughts about this. But I asked her, like, what does she think about when people say Vision Zero is failing? Um, and she, like everybody you ask this question who's like in government or in like nonprofit space who's really working on this stuff, they switch right over to this thing called the safe systems approach. So that's kind of the hot new way of looking at it. And I bet if bureaucrats and people and electeds had it to do over again, they would have just started with safe systems. And the Vision Zero part would have been like a, a tiny little thing and they wouldn't have declared it. It just as doesn't the goal. sound as good. It doesn't. Well, that's the push and pull of like effective <laughs> yeah. communication and right. advocacy. Right. You have the advocates were so excited about that concept because it right. was exciting. But I don't know if folks listening realize that. Does anybody know? Okay, quiz. When are we supposed to have zero traffic deaths, Eva? Already. <laughs> Shoot. That's a better answer than the real answer. <laughs> According to the Vision Zero commitment that we made in, you know, 2015. Is 2050 the year? No. No. 2030? It's 2025. Oh, that's really soon. Two years. So, yeah. I mean, just like, you know, we're supposed to have 25% mode share by 2030. Right. Anyway, so, you know, a a lot of work to be done on that front. I tried to ask people at that event. And it was funny, it's like one of the lessons I took from covering that event, um, and I did a podcast of it, if I, I just mentioned it, but I'll put it in the show notes, is that like there were some like bureaucrat kind of people there. I, I don't use the word bureaucrat in a negative way. I got to yeah. think there were some city staff, there were some civil servants there. I don't know what else to call them, but I feel like when I say bureaucrat, people get offended. Government employees. There were some government folks there. The word folks is so good. It's so <laughs> versatile. There were government folks there, and I think because it was a Sunday like middle of the day, I just, there wasn't, I just sensed that there wasn't a lot of good energy. Let's just put it that way. It was Sunday and I felt like maybe I felt bad for like sticking a mic in front of their face and yeah. asking them questions about traffic deaths and road safety policy. Yeah. Was it like a somber event or? Well, it was meant to be a somber event, yeah. which may be part of it, but it's also an event that is specifically done to get media attention, right? I brought that up because like, I just want to like, I'm not interested in hearing about how the safe systems approach works, which, you know, people can go look it up. It's, you know, Metro is actually leading on this. They're doing great stuff because they have the direct connection to the federal dollars and the federal government's really into safe systems as a whole approach. So what, but what I really want to ask people is like, well, what are we going to change? What are we going to do different? I'm always like, especially like people that are in positions of doing something, you know, elected or whatever. It's like, what do you think, Eva? Like what? How do we how do we change this curve so it starts going down? I feel like we don't talk about that enough. What are the ideas? What do we start to push for? 
I think we need to push the car manufacturers to put in speed controls. I think that yeah. would be the number one thing. I, I think it's a hard angle to take, but I I really think that that could be significant. I think this thing we always say like, oh, we need to like protect bicyclists with cement. And I'm like, what if we just slow down the things that are killing the cyclists and the pedestrians? Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's so important to shift all these talk. All this talk we do is mitigating impacts from people driving cars. And it's like, I, w- I did this story about speed bumps yeah. last week. Oh yeah. On Ainsworth. Yeah. On Ainsworth and how they weren't really stopping cars. Wait, that's fine. But it was, it was this guy walking, his dog came by. He's like, he was, this was just, I didn't even really like engage with the person. He just kind of offered this. He said, it's a real shame we have to waste money because people just won't drive the speed limit. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But that is totally lost in the conversation. So many resources oh, thrown at attempting exactly. to control what, you know, people's vision of like, oh, I have freedom behind the, behind yeah. the wheel of my car. And I'm like, we're just sold a lie. Yeah. So it's like, I think that's what, like, like, like you said. All this time, but it's like we end up arguing on their terms. We argue on the status quo's terms. It's something I'd try to like try to not do, right? But it's a very common thing. So we're sitting here arguing about budgets and funding so I for think protection. When what we need is more potholes. Peabot, just stop, t- stop paving, stop fixing anything. Just potholes everywhere. Yeah, I think we've reached a point where just like make yeah, it like New Orleans. Drivers have not proven that they can be trusted with that vehicle, and the system is shown. And the yeah, automakers the same way. It's funny you mentioned potholes. I think people would hear that and they'd be like, oh gosh, there's Jonathan and all his commie friends in the shed again, you know, yeah. lefty crazy. They'll never, whatever. There's actually like at least one serious person who is proposing that idea. It's like someone who used to be the chair of the bike advisory committee for Peabot. This guy named David Stein. He works super hard. You, pr- you probably know who he is. He's vice chair now of the, of the bike advisory committee, something like that. He's, he's pretty involved with local stuff. That that was one of his proposals because, you know, the Peabot budget is like really dying and they're like s- supposedly looking for any options possible to like survive and get through this budget uh, crunch that they're in. And the idea of, of floating like maybe just shouldn't maintain certain streets, maybe just let stuff go into disrepair because it'll ultimately calm traffic. But I love that you mentioned like speed governors and stuff. Yeah. When I was in New York, there's some really serious conversation. New York's always ahead. So if anybody's interested, if you're just getting involved with transportation advocacy, go look at New York City. They're always on the cutting edge of this stuff because they have the most money yeah. and they have like the most urgency, right? Because it's so intense. Yeah. There's so much density. You really need density, to like, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And there's like so much death and destruction and carnage from driving and like all these transportation issues. Like the subway gets the most use. Like, it's kind of a fascinating petri dish to like look into and see like what's coming. And they're they're really talking about like what they call ISA is going to be the new thing. Intelligent speed assistance is part of it. This guy who runs the fleet for New York City DOT was talking at that conference, and that's what he kept saying is how they can just like you know use GPS and other tools to like basically force force their staff to like drive more slowly. But that's where it starts. Yeah, I'm into like the governors thing. I'm governor like speed governors. Yeah. You know, I get so frustrated that like my e-bike cuts out at 19.5 while cars can just fly by me in 20 mile an hour zones. Like, yeah, just think how furious the car drivers will be. I cannot wait for that to happen, (laughs) but it is actually becoming more, more part of the conversation. So what I want also is, so if you use like a map, 
uh, Google Maps or something on your phone, it shouldn't tell you to drive on any greenways ever. If you're driving a car, if you're using the car directions, why mm. is it ever telling you to drive on greenways? Like, why can't we make that? That's a good one too. Happen. I like that. I think I think your vibe is like shift toward looking directly at the abusers of the system. That's I, I use that word abuse, you know, car abuse. I'm not against cars. I'm against yeah. car abuse. And it's like if you're proving over time that you cannot function and use your vehicle in a way that's responsible, we need to have like serious yeah. ways of constraining your behavior. That's the way I like to frame it because it's not like I'm not anti-car, hater, whatever. It's like. Nope. You can drive 70 on the freeway. Prove to me you just can. Just don't drive 70 on Ainsworth. Yeah. I mean, you can't make a good argument against some of this stuff if you get, if you can just stay calm. Like, why would you, like, you know, like, like you said, let, we should have, let's do potholes. Let's just keep potholes in certain places strategically. Again, I don't want to hit a pothole and that's, I think that's a nice concept, but you know, and then, then a bike I rider I think ideally you don't want the potholes, but right? I, but, but. Yeah. But the idea that we're maintaining a system for driving like redundancy so you can just drive everywhere where we're also saying people need to drive less and it's the drivers that are causing all these all this carnage in our system so like why don't we have some spaces where you can't drive and then we wouldn't have to maintain those because mm -hmm. if you know the maintenance bill on a road that is like 90 yeah. percent light mobility users like scooters and it's one like wheels sweeping and that's is it. nothing yeah just keep it swept right you could save a lot of money yeah i would just like to see a proposal like that come from somewhere official you know I, I bet like the the budget advisory committee for pbot might propose there's certain stuff. streets downtown where i feel like there's just like a little path that they've paved on top of rough pavement or cobbles yeah. like maybe johnson or flanders something like that. yeah 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 i mean that's kind of an example yeah that's kind of cool actually people never done it it is on johnson it's yeah. like a smooth bike lane and then it's a cobbled street. It's like mm -hmm. that was their compromise to not like ruin the historic nature of the, right. of the cobbles, which and is super cool. And it's cheaper. Yeah, which is cheaper. Anyways, what else? Um, oh, also last week I went to my first game of the Rip City Remix. I saw that on your stories. Which is, do Tell you know me what more it is? about it. It is like a... It's like... B League Blazers. B League. I like you just picked, you just <laughs> plucked in, you plucked a letter out of, well, it's an A B. I get it. Okay. I get it. Yeah. It is. It's, well, it's called the G League. And okay. it's funny. You know why it's called the G League? Wait, are there several other letters in between? <laughs> Some, someone else thought that too. They're like, why would you go to like the fifth? What is it? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, like the sixth yeah. level of, which is funny that, but no, it's, um, it's because Gatorade owns it okay. or they're like the title sponsor. Yeah. Anyway, it's the NBA's development league. You said okay. used to call it the D League for Development League, but years ago What's Gatorade. What's your favorite flavor of Gatorade? <laughs> I'm just, I'm an old school guy, so I go for the lemon lime. Nice. The okay. green, that's it. That's <laughs> that's it, right? It's really cool though. They're playing at University of Portland Child Center, which folks don't know is basically a small private college in, in on the bluff in North Portland over here, um, District Two. <laughs> Soon to have improved bikeways and representation on City Council and mm -hmm. better bikeways. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but I bring it up because it's like, do you remember when Bike Portland did the Bike to Blazers thing back in the day? I never went. You never but went? I, but I know about it. Yeah, yeah. It was so fun. We get a group of people. We'd meet like a mile or two away, and then we'd all ride together to the Motor Center for a Blazer game. And I, I had, because I'm like a big basketball, I love the NBA, I love basketball. So I was, always had this dream of like infiltrating Motor Center with like a hundred people and then like getting on the Jumbotron and then like getting down on 
the court during halftime and then like having this big rah rah thing for like biking to the game right like that was my vision and idea i was like sprockets could perform at halftime oh, yay yeah. let's do tall bike jousting at midcourt that never came <laughs> to didn't, pass didn't turns out <laughs> turns out the blazers as cool as they are as an organization they're a very big corporation they don't necessarily hand out free things to well-meaning people in the community, and it's if you don't if if you don't want to be on no, the hook for tens of thousands NBA. of dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So anyway, I kind of realized that, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be so hard to do." And so anyway, we we don't I don't really do bike to pleasures anymore. I think the community cycling center is doing it. It's a really cool thing, Did like a discounted ticket if you ride to the game on certain nights and all this stuff. But I was thinking like we could do a remix ride because the G League, while it's still the NBA, it's like this very much cooler vibe it's just a it's also alliterative 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 yes yes well unlike some some of g league teams like actually take the name of so it'd be like the it would have been like the beaverton blazers that Mm -hmm. could actually happen they could have done it over in beaverton and they keep the name of the nba team just for the name recognition but for some reason this one they call it the remix remix so it has this whole like music vibe it's kind of fun and the tickets are cheap i sat five rows up for twenty dollars that's awesome i saw really amazing basketball talent um, that is like actually also plays in the NBA because the teams will like trade players and stuff throughout the year. Anyway, remix ride. I think we should do it. I'm into it. Go up to UP, hang out. The beers are only $7 if you do partake. Oh, dang. Which I don't know if you've been to the That's Moto like Center. That's normal price. Yes. <laughs> Moto Center is like 12 14 I think. I don't even know I think anymore. it's closer to 20 <laughs> And as even as I say that, I don't believe it, but I, I, I'm pretty sure I've paid that much money for a can of beer at Moto Center. Anyway. That's a lot of money for. You know, good thing I don't really drink much beer anymore these days. <laughs> Just do it all on Wednesday. Yeah. By the way, I'm glad you brought up Wednesday because there's plenty of non-alcoholic options available at Bike Happy Hour, and we're also a family-friendly event. And I'm happy yeah. to provide activity books and crayons and cheer and company for the little ones. I think almost every week we've had at least one or two little folks there with their parents. So bring the kiddos. Yeah, it's great. You don't have to drink. Speaking of bike happy hour, oh, it's later today. Be it's heading later over. Today. I'm going to do it even though it's pretty much Thanksgiving. It's okay. Maybe some people want to get away from their families or bring their families. <laughs> yeah. What about people that don't have a family? Or and... people that don't celebrate Thanksgiving. Yeah, exactly. People that just want to go hang out. I figured. But what I want to know is what's your favorite side? Mm, favorite side. Boy, probably potatoes and gravy, you know, mashed potatoes. I feel like gravy is like not something that you have very often throughout the year. That's true. Add a little bit of the cranberry in there, which is already chilling in my fridge because we made it already. Super nice. So you, you're into the layer of flavors. Yes. Yeah. Gravy on everything? Um. Yeah, pretty much ends up hitting everything. I'm not like a separate, <laughs> keeping yeah. the taste separate person no. at all. Um. Uh, what about you? Oh, I mean, I do love gravy on everything also. I think... Um, Stuffing. Stuffing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we actually, St- I love stuffing. My family decided not to do stuffing We're this dressing. year. Because no one wanted it. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Maybe that's just you know, more of that's that the thing. we weren't doing it properly, and so they didn't have. Yeah. My, I think one of my daughters is going to make um, crab mac and cheese. That's her Dang. contribution. That's we got, bold. We went crabbing earlier in the year out okay. of the coast, and so we have this really good crab. So anyway, we all had to take a little piece of it this year. So I'm in charge of the turkey. So that'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Do you roast the bird whole or do you have a special technique? Uh, whatever the first hit was on Google is the one I'm going to do. 
Butterball. Which, which is very, you know, just kind of, yeah. yeah as long as it's already whole. out of the freezer, then you're <gasps> Be right back. <laughs> no, it is. It's right here on the porch. You can see it from the oh. shed. <laughs> is it brining? No. No, it's just hanging uh, out in a cooler. They don't need to be brined. That's only if you, like, it's pretty much any turkey that you're going to buy from the store has been brined. I've been doing my reading. That's fantastic. So Your first page of Google my reading. My herbs. Yeah, exactly. My herbs and whatnot. Although I, I did switch from Google recently because I read this whole article about privacy and stuff. I but use anyway, DuckDuckGo. I already switched back because I was annoyed. <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> but it's, you know, if you want to hide. It's like, how far do you, how far do you go? Okay. Thanksgiving. Gratitude. I feel like we've kind of reached the conclusion of this episode. Mm-hmm. And I like to end on a positive note. Um by speaking about, especially this time, I don't know, what are we grateful for? The more I do this job, I have to say I, <laughs> you're expecting me to say I'm getting more and more grateful for things. Gosh, I just have been so <laughs> negative lately. Just, just, just tamper down the cynicism. I know. It's become really, really hard because like everything I'm just kind of like, I go to this angle that is like not What makes you smile? Angle. My next door neighbor, who's two years old. Oh, see? Yeah. There you go. That has been probably the whole thing. It's pretty cute. I do love the pictures my two daughters in college send me of them studying together. <laughs> that's that's pretty high up there. But my buddy Cyrus here next door, who's mm-hmm. like two and a half, has been pretty awesome. He just like comes over and we just like play together. You're going to teach Cyrus how to play basketball? He already, I've been lifting <laughs> him up there. and dunking with him for oh, wow. like a year probably now at least. So he's already there. So yeah. We That's hang out cool. a lot. That is pretty cool to have. And, and his parents are nice. They don't, they're very chill. They just let him hang out. So he'll like see me through the window and like hit on the window and then he runs out and then he's in the backyard and then all the stuff's strewn about yeah. as two-year-olds do. So That's cute. Yeah. You, that's great. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. making me feel you know, so sometimes positive. Sometimes smiling is just, yeah. that's what you need to do. Go knock on Cyrus's window when you need it. That's right. When you're just feeling down on That's right. all the things. Yeah. Yeah. I've also loved having you over here in the shed, Eva. It's been really fun. It's so nice. Yeah. As we wrap our fourth episode, big plans the next couple of days. Friendsgiving. Fun. We go to the coast. Okay. I go with um, my wife and I go with two other couples and one of them has a like 10 year old, maybe 11 year old. It's fun. It's good. Just Good. like a lot of eating and drinking and walking. Running on the sand? Yeah, running on the sand. Fun. Maybe I'll try that. You should. I don't know if my feet want to do that. Weather should be good. I'm wearing Birkenstocks. <laughs> Why would your feet? In case you were wondering. If you're wearing Birkenstocks here, you <laughs> gotta, you will it's be really running. It's really cold. It's true. This time of year can be yeah. can be really cold. Yeah. Are you a fire fire on the beach kind of person? No, fire in the house. In the... <laughs> in the <laughs> Where the fire belongs. Oregon coast does not yeah. mess around in wintertime. It can be yeah, very seriously. It's like kind of windy and cold and yeah, wet. Dark and yeah. like you can hear the waves, but you, you can go out the day barely then, see them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming over. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Until next time, we will see you in the streets. Ciao. Ciao. That was Eva Frazier and I in our fourth episode of the In the Shed series. I hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. 
And I also want to say how grateful I am for all the support from the community and everybody who has stepped up to financially support Bike Portland, either through a monthly subscription or a random financial contribution, which some of you prefer to do, and also our wonderful sustaining advertisers. All those things help. Uh, Bike Portland is community journalism that really does rely on the community to survive. So again, thanks for listening. And until next time, we'll see you in the streets.